0: Gather round, boys and girls, for another episode of Lessons from the Office. Um, We're rolling along in Season 2. It's Randy here with you again with my tag team partner, Bruce. How are you doing today, Bruce? Hey, Randy. I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Um, I'm great. I'm great. We were just talking a little bit ago how it's been kind of a long week, but I am excited to dive into Season 2, Episode 6. We're talking about fighting today. It's the episode, The Fight, which we will break down uh been really excited you know anything new going on viewers uh no not a lot's going on um just kind of
1: you know living life through a pandemic and keeping our fingers crossed that everybody's uh doing the things that they're supposed to and and uh you know keeping the greater good in mind as they make decisions but uh but yeah we're you know trucking along it's it's we're recording this in march and it probably won't come out until yeah. April. Let's be honest. Maybe, maybe, maybe late March. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. Who knows what the future holds? Who knows what will be happening when our lovely listeners
0: are tuning in to hear this episode? That was a lot. That was new. You just talked about that light at the end of the tunnel for. That's true. Everyone, everyone quarantining and pandemic, pandemicing, if that's a word. Um, it is now. Us, aw- us. Aw- yeah, awesome. I just made it up. Um, if you are a listener and you have gotten your coronavirus vaccine, uh, props to you for, for taking that leap and being able to get it. I, I know a handful of people that that have gotten it. My mom has gotten the first dose, not the second dose as of this recording. My fiance has gotten both doses. So... Now she's just like going out without a mask and like, you know, licking door handles and things like (laughs) that. If she's gotten both doses, is that dose, doses? Dose, doses. She has gotten dose. I don't know. Dose, 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 doses. So, yeah, with very, very minimal side effects or whatever you want to say after the second one. But she was excited to be able to do that. She sort of quasi works in a healthcare field. So she was able to get that a little sooner than probably most people in her age bracket. Her birthday was actually just this week. She turned 40. So I'm going to call her out on that. I probably gets, shouldn't uh, have said that. Sort of a milestone. On a 40. I meant, 40, 40. I meant 20, 20. She turned 20. It's her which second went, which would then, Yeah, which would then be weird because that would be like me marrying a 20-year-old. That would know, be awkward. Prop, that, yeah, that would be awkward. So yeah. I mean, yeah. We're gonna, we'll, we'll edit this out of the podcast later on. Will so. we? No, we won't. Okay, okay, we won't. I don't I, I hope that she listens. I tell her every time we drop a new episode, but I'm gonna be honest, I have no idea whether she's listening or not. I think we you'll actually... find
1: I think you'll find out after this episode because she will probably punch you in your arm if she hears what you just said.
0: Right, right. But here here's the here's the cool thing, Bruce. Here's the cool thing. Just this past weekend, we were, um, in my place, Like, watching TV, and of course, I had sports on, and she's like, let's watch something else, and I was like, "Uh, fine, whatever, and she has never seen an episode of The Office, and she goes, let's watch the first episode of The Office, and I was like, let's do that, so I was like, I was, I was pumped, so she is one episode into The Office now. What did she think? You know, she didn't, she didn't say a lot, I mean, she laughed at some of the things, and I will- I will admit, the pilot of The Office, you know, does not rank in maybe the top 10 episodes ever of The Office. It certainly gets much better after the pilot. Kind of like our show. So, I, Yeah, like our show. Yeah, it gets better with age, like a fine <laughs> wine. Or a good whiskey, which so, I'm sipping on right now. Oh, gotcha. I just have water. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if she wants to dive into more episodes. I mean, obviously, she can watch along and then listen to podcast episodes if she wants to do that, but... She's not much of a binge watcher of anything. She will say that all the time. Like she'll start start something, and then, you know, I'll be like, "Oh, I watched two seasons of epi- you know, of TV show X," and she's like, "How do you do that?" And I, I don't know. I just yeah, I'm able yeah, to do it. Yeah. I don't know. How I'm able to do it. Well, hey, speaking of being able to do
1: things, uh, we already kind of covered the the episode title, the fight.
0: Uh, have you ever been in a fight, Randy? That's a great question, yeah, you asked that before we started recording, and I immediately had to think about it. I have never been in a like real fight, like you know at right. a restaurant or bar or like out on the mean streets of Pittsburgh where I grew up not not really mean streets, but the the closest that I can ever think of would be you know quote unquote fights I played basketball growing up, still play basketball to this day, so obviously there are a lot of sure. times where you know, testosterone and, you know, 10 males or six or four, depending on if you're playing fives or threes or twos, you know, are on the court together and stuff can happen. I I do remember one time when I was a student in college, just playing intramural basketball, which again, it's just intramural basketball. But, you know, of course, everyone takes it so incredibly serious. Like, you know, you think NBA scouts are there or the coach of the college team is there ready to just pluck you out of the intramural court and put you on the varsity team. And that there was a time where we kind of ran up against this team, you know, a couple of different times. They didn't like us, we didn't like them sort of thing. And it did get a little heated in the game and there was a lot of pushing and shoving. Um, but it was like the Controlled sports, pushing and shoving, where sure. you're trying to be tough, but really you're not. You're not going to fight. Right. That, that's probably the the closest that I've gotten. You know, I I may have, you know, in in my younger days in a bar, you know, had I tend to be kind of you know sarcastic and funny. I may you? have said some things that rub people. Yeah, I know. Really, really. I may have said things you know that rubbed people the wrong way, and sure. they maybe took some offense to it, but. No, never like an actual like throwing hands type of fight. I don't know. How about you? You know, uh, I've been in a number of shoving matches. Uh,
1: yeah. Kind of like yeah, what you were yeah. talking about where. Right. It's more right. talk than anything, more yelling than yep. anything. Yep. Th- those yep. those verbal hits, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh-huh. uh, um, I did almost get suspended in high school for, quote, fighting um, in the cafeteria at lunch. Uh, this kid had been, uh, I, I was, I was not the cool guy that you, you know and love today. <laughs> I, <laughs> I uh, was, was much nerdier and much uh, less confident in myself back in high school. And this kid had been kind of picking on me for a few weeks. And finally, I just had enough of it. And he was, he flicked me off one day and I grabbed his finger and shoved it back. Ooh. And he stood up and just started shoving me and hitting me, trying to bring me to throw the first hit. Um, but I was right. so caught off guard by by my own actions and by his reaction that I was kind of shocked and didn't really do anything. <laughs> and uh, one of the one of the teachers, one of the cafeteria monitors, got there pretty quickly and prevented it from escalating. So uh, that was that was the closest I would say I've been to a fight. But it was, I mean, the the kid that I was in the altercation with. He was well known by our school assistant principal. That he spoke with, she had no idea who I was. Like Mm, she, she told me to go home and think about what I'd done and come back and talk to her. (laughs) And I came back to talk to her because I'm an honest young lad, and she she didn't like. She completely had forgotten that she told me to do that.
0: So, oh wow, way way to fly under the radar that you could you could have gotten away with murder then.
1: Well, I mean, at that point, maybe not actually murder, but you know,
0: yeah, the saying, yeah.
1: So, I mean, it was it was not a fight. It was, again, like you said, kind of a shoving match. No no fisticuffs, as Ron Burgundy yeah. would say. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So. Absolutely. Makes make sense. And I, and I think, you know, probably if you have played sports growing up, you've been in fights like that. Oh, you, yeah. You see it often. Like, if you're watching, like, a baseball game where the bench is clear and everybody comes out to the middle— 98% of those guys want nothing to do with it they just kind of like get somebody that's close to them and they'll like grab each other's jersey and I could probably imagine them still like just laughing you know and be like all right let's let's pair off and let let's just kind of drift off towards the side let's and not, not be anywhere near yeah. yeah right that that's all that happens it's not typically a real fight right well, at any
1: rate, let's talk a little bit more about the episode and less about us, because we've been talking for almost 10 minutes, and I'm sure the listeners are sick of who we are and want to know more about the episode and the professional. I, don't know.
0: I think I think people care about us. They really do. I don't care about you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Just kidding. I appreciate it Just that. kidding. I could always find a new co-host. That's true,
1: except then who would record it and edit it, since that's really... The, the only reason that, that, you have me participating
0: in this. That is true. I was talking, my son and I were talking just a little bit ago, and I was like, oh, we're doing some podcast recording tonight, and, you know, he just turned 10 last month, and he was like, well, what do you do after you after you record them? Do you have to do, like, all of the editing and, like, figure <laughs> out? I said, uh, nope, buddy. Uh, Bruce does all of that. I'm just the talent. He does all of the behind-the-scenes <laughs> stuff.
1: We need, to, uh, we need to take some better promotional photos so we can stop using that stock photo on our on our podcast. Yeah, we should. Figure something should. out this spring or summer. But yeah, at any rate. for sure. The Fight, Season 2, Episode 6, was directed by Ken Quapis. I probably am saying that wrong. It was written by Greg Daniels, Gene Stutnitsky, and Lee Eisenberg. Uh, so those are the creative minds behind this episode. Uh, so the synopsis is, after Michael belittles Dwight's interest and in abilities in martial arts... Dwight is coerced into punching Michael in the gut uh, to avoid the work he should be doing and to protect his ego, Michael challenges Dwight to a fight at his dojo. A few subplots include Michael avoiding signing the time cards that he needs to sign, uh, Ryan collecting the emergency contact info from all of the staff, and really that's just a ploy for Michael to get his phone number, and uh, Pam and Jim flirting, and that escalates to get a little bit too physical, which we'll talk about, so... Mm-hmm. um i think that's a pretty succinct and uh at the same time all-encompassing episode synopsis what would you say
0: yeah absolutely and and i wonder who writes these episode synopsises, synopsi, whatever uh, that, plural I is. that i wrote mean, that thank you very much oh you wrote that i'm oh, sorry i thought you were well well the person that wrote that was amazing Obviously. I thought you were like reading from from imdb or something I mean, like that so yeah yeah, you should you should that that could be a side hustle writing synopsis for TV shows.
1: Synopsi,
0: synopsis. Synopsi. I don't know what is well, yeah, what is the plural of that? Yeah. Synopsis? Is? I don't whatever. Let's go with that. Yeah. But no, that was that was very well written, Bruce. Thank I you. think I that does job of, you know, of summarizing the episode. And it's funny. We were talking about this episode ahead of time. And for those of you that have listened to other episodes of this podcast, hopefully you have. We, we try to narrow in on one of our NACE, the National Association of Colleges and Employers, and try to narrow in on one of their career readiness competencies. And this one, honestly, was a little bit tough because this was just like a bonkers off the rails episode from start to finish. And if you think about what we've talked about on this podcast, career development and how to maintain your career, excel in your career, that just the general topic of professionalism has come up repeatedly in in this as i said was just a bananas episode where there was like zero professionalism going on from second one to the very last second of this episode definitely
1: and it's it's been interesting because watching these episodes again kind of as 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 i've been watching them to prepare for this podcast it's interesting because i find myself watching the episodes through a very different lens so you know when when i watch it typically it's just for fun so you kind of immerse yourself in the antics and the, and the craziness of the episode and you don't really put a lot of thought into it uh, but as i've been watching it i've had a lot of compassion for dwight and a little bit of like annoyance with jim in the pranks like they're funny but as i think about okay. it for a professional episode i'm like jim has wasted a lot of time pranking dwight and this the cold open in this is is uh, mm-hmm. dwight's desk is not where it should be and it turns out yep. that jim has moved it to the bathroom right and one of the thoughts that i had is as as you know dwight finds his desk and sits down to answer the the ringing phone and you see the urinals in the background one of the thoughts that i've had is is what do the coworkers think about this tit for tit as dwight <laughs> says between right. dwight and jim right. and specifically with the bathroom i mean i would be uncomfortable going into the bathroom to pee with dwight right behind me He's answering phone saying. calls uh, with right. clients, and you know, granted, it probably was moved out relatively quickly, but Jim probably didn't get the desk in there alone. So, who's he getting to help him with these yeah. pranks, and, and how's that going? So, it's just been interesting to watch the office through this lens of professionalism. I wouldn't say that, that it's that, ruining it by any means, but it's definitely given me kind of a different thought process for
0: it. No, that's a, that's a great point. You're in you're 100% right when you watch it with more of that critical lens, you think about one, and you may have seen this theory online, Bruce, that really talks about. Jim being, like, the villain of The Office and how, like, if you think about it, he did a lot of, like, really crappy things throughout, like, you know, all of the pranks and just, you know, some of the other things that he did, you know, kind of bailing and going to a different branch at one point. There are a lot of people and a lot of theories you can find online that says, like, he's really the bad guy. Like, he's the true villain of The Office because he's just, like, an arrogant prick, basically, But this one specifically, I had the same exact thought that you did about the desk. He had to have help. So, I mean, he needed to unplug all of the electronics and then move a large desk through the door that kind of leads to that middle kitchen area and then into the bathroom. There's no way that he would have been able to do that by himself. So somebody was helping him. Was it with the guys from the warehouse? Was it? Kevin, I, I don't know who, but there's no way he did that by himself.
1: Right, right. And th- the other thing that I noticed uh, was kind of funny was when Dwight is answering the phone and Kevin comes out of the, the bathroom. It's kind of a throwback to that first episode uh, where the Dundies, where he got the the award for the smelliest bowel movement because he's coming <laughs> out that's right, carrying that's right. a candle, which kind of <laughs> right. indicates what he may or may not have been doing. In the right. in the stall So I thought that was right in in
0: Dwight and Dwight also immediately says like Kevin wash your hands like, <laughs> is that too too to give the indication that Kevin normally doesn't wash his hands right is like, he just gonna leave I mean we you know we're obviously in pandemic times, so washing hands has been very important so I, I kind of laughed at that thinking of you know, how important hand-washing has been for us over this past year.
1: There's been a lot of reports that employees are generally struggling with motivation right now, which I think is uh, really aligns with Michael in this episode, who is struggling to get motivated. Mm-hmm. All he needed to do was sign the time cards, the purchase orders, the expense reports, and he keeps putting it off. And it's like, that's something that's completely thoughtless. You don't even need to mm-hmm. think about what you're doing, um, as long as you trust your employees to have you know, filled those all out right. correctly. Right, And he just keeps putting it off. And and as employees have been struggling with motivation stemming from situations brought on by the pandemic, um, it, it's interesting to see. Um, and one of the questions that I have uh, for you specifically, Randy, if you're struggling with motivation at work, uh, what are some things that you have done to kind of reset or to, to find that motivation or to even just kind of churn through until you get to a point where you can take a break and reset?
0: That's a good point. That's a good question. I think for me, my motivation comes from doing projects that I enjoy first and foremost. So I I know that in this episode, specifically in this example, we're calling out something where Michael just has no motivation to do something that was maybe seen as just a, you know, mindless task of, you know, filling out forms or signing forms. For me, if I'm ever stuck in a situation where I'm doing something like that, where I know it's busy work might not be the right term, but just something that I know I have to get done. I I use that as motivation to know that I have something sort of on the other end of that tunnel, that I have a project that I really do want to work on. And I know that the only way that I can get to that project I do want to work on or something that I would enjoy more is that I just have to, you know, really barrel through this stuff that's going to be a little bit more like menial tasks to begin with. And, and there are times where you have that, where there's, you know, something you have to fill out or just, you know... Um, you know, making reports or putting things into a spreadsheet or whatever the case may be. There's lots of examples in everyone's jobs. But the the motivation for me is knowing that there's something else on the other side of that. And that's really the only way that I can get to that other thing is by, you know, finishing that task. You know, something else that I've done from time to time, if I have the ability to sort of break up that task, that can be helpful as well. So, you know, if the If the task would take me, you know, like a couple of hours total, maybe I'll do it for, you know, like 15, 20 minutes and then I can switch to do something else for a little bit. Because if that is a task that really is is not giving you any motivation to complete, if you break it up into smaller chunks, that may help you. So instead of doing something for two hours straight, if you're only having to do it for like 15 or 20 minutes, then maybe that will help you. Instead of doing it all in one big chunk.
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm a task oriented person. So mm. uh, something that I've been able to do uh, often is to kind of set aside a few minutes to make a task list, um, and I get a lot of satisfaction of crossing things out. So for especially yeah. for some of those uh, more mundane or, or um, almost I don't I don't want to say menial, but you know repetitive tasks. Uh, sure. Sometimes it's easy. It, it's helpful to break it up into. Uh, multiple options on a checklist. So for me, using the example here, I might break it up into like sign time cards, sign expense reports, sign Mm -hmm. uh, what? I forget what the third example was. Purchase orders. Sign purchase orders. And what that Mm -hmm. allows me to do is it allows me to, as you were kind of saying, like breaking it into smaller chunks or smaller tasks. And then I am able to visually see my progression making it through. So the catch there is you sometimes have to have a little bit of, time or or find that time or make that time to sit sit back um, look at your day and make that that list of things along with kind of those smaller tasks that lead up to the bigger
0: tasks so yeah absolutely absolutely and, and i know for me too one of the things that you know one of my strengths i think is just getting things done getting tasks done i've had many supervisors say that i've had coworkers say that they're amazed like how quickly i can get things done and that's maybe one of my motivational tools that if, you know, I'm given a project or I have a task that is going to be a little bit more mundane instead of just, you know, putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then eventually you have to do it and you don't want to do it. And you're so frustrated that you have to do it. I just get it done as soon as I can, not to say that I, you know, don't do it as well as I could. I do the best that I can do possibly, but I just get it over with, you know, I I don't put it off because when I put it off, I feel, I, I know it's there waiting for me and it just like, you know, it, it's Almost like a monkey on to your do. back. Yeah. it becomes harder and you just, you get more frustrated and you get more stressed and you get more upset that you have to do it. So there are many times where like, if I'm given a task and I'm like, Oh man, this like, this really stinks. I'm like, you know what? Let's just get over with like, let's just do it like today. Let's do it tomorrow. As soon as I can, as soon as I can get it done to the best of my ability. And then let's just put that in the rearview mirror as quick as possible. And I think in this case, that would have happened. And Pam even alludes to that, that she, I think she calls this the perfect storm of signing things, you know, because she said, I think time cards are weekly, maybe purchase orders are every month and then expense reports are just every quarter. So it seems like, I don't know if he was putting some of these things off, but he waited till like the last day, you know, that they were due, maybe all that next day, where he easily could have maybe done these a little bit of a time, at a time, Sure. Or, you know, done them at a, at, a, at a in a way where he wouldn't have had to wait until like the 23rd hour. For his
1: employees to right. and then, forge his signature.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Abs- absolutely. Which let's and, talk and, about you know, that. Yeah, yeah. When you think about what the end result is of his procrastination and his really unprofessionalism or not being professional in this regard, what ends up happening because they were, you know, wasting time all day with, you know, going to a dojo for a, <laughs> for a staged fight. You have Pam, you have Toby. Stanley, you have Angela, you have Toby, just forging Michael's signatures on all of these documents and forms. And at one point, I think Angela even mentioned something about like, oh man, this is like really illegal and this feels wrong. And Stanley's like, I don't care, let's just get it done. You know, which, which isn't, I don't think that's really the... um the tact that you want to take there, because, you know, forging his signature on what I would assume are pretty official, you know, financial and budgetary sure. documents uh, could come back to, you know, bite them in the behind at some point. But that that is very unprofessional by all of them that we've talked about so far.
1: But at the same time, uh, we're looking at it through the lens of one episode, but I'm going to guess, based on Pam's comment, that this is a reoccurring thing every couple of months and – Right. You know, it was I, I didn't I don't recall what the clock said, but it was probably about 7 p.m. by the time they actually decided yeah. to just go ahead and do it. And and so uh, Michael's procrastination and lack of action, lack of uh, doing what he needed to do. I won't say like forced his coworkers to break the law, but it definitely gave them self-justification to to break the law like you were saying that that's not what you want to do as a leader like you don't want your coworkers to or your your subordinates to feel like they have to do your job for you which means breaking the law because they're acting on your behalf without your permission. So. Right. But he, he kind of gave them permission when, when he said, he like, did. let's gangbang this and get it <laughs> done. Gangbang it out. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Not not the correct, you know, turn of phrase there. Not the, not the correct usage. Well, speaking um, of
1: incorrect turn of phrase or usage, uh, one of the other plots in this episode was was Dwight's uh, purple belt in karate. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he is show, showing off his, his karate moves, he actually says... To Kelly, now watch, let me take you from behind. <laughs> and it's kind of a throwaway line. Like they move into the next next scene so quickly or the next, next uh, conversation so quickly.
0: But Kelly's like, what? Because <laughs> yep. she hears it and Dwight does not. He does not.
1: No, no, no,
0: no. no. Yeah. And, I, and I think in that in that same scene, which was sort of a, a running joke a couple of times that Michael is incorrectly using the term Catch-22 where Ryan Ryan – Gave an actual example of how the term Catch-22 could be used, and I think Michael maybe tries to use it twice, and he's way, way off in both times that he tries to use it. Yeah. I like the whole
1: karate dojo face-off uh, storyline that's kind of going on. Um, I would say it's almost the primary storyline of this, this whole mm-hmm. episode. Sure. Um, but uh, Dwight has some really great lines in this. I really love what he says. Uh, With the my maternal grandfather, first off, I like that he calls out that it's his maternal grandfather. He goes, my maternal grandfather was the toughest guy I ever knew, World War II veteran, killed 20 men, then spent the rest of the war in the Allied prison camp. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I love how the writers can just say so much with so few words Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. tells you so much about Dwight and who he is as a character and his upbringing and his outlook on life. And it's just so great. But then he follows it up with my father battled blood pressure and obesity his entire life different kind of fight yeah,
0: a very a very different kind of fight right, right 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 but the you know the the whole plot of the the karate is, is so interesting to me as well because we see from the very beginning dwight bragging about you know being being made a, a senpai which is the assistant sensei not the assistant to the sensei the <laughs> assistant sensei but we see immediately him Training in this dojo where it is very clear that he's the only adult in the class full of, you know, what looks to be 10, 11, 12 year olds, something like that. And I could just, we've all seen Dwight through these episodes and, you know, his personality that I'm sure he took that so incredibly seriously. And as he was, you know, sparring with these preteen adolescent children, trying to, you know, make his way up the the belt ladder and, you know, get up towards a black belt. Well, it's funny, according
1: to Dunderpedia, somebody translated one of the the rules in the background and Mm -hmm. it it says uh rule number one obey your parents rule number two (laughs) no junk food rule number three do your homework which just kind of reinforces the thought right that this is specifically a dojo aimed at children so i i like yeah to your point he just takes it takes it really seriously but it's definitely not He's not the target audience of the dojo, and he has no idea.
0: No, not at all. And, and I and I don't know why, but as I was watching this over the past week or two, getting ready to record this, just whenever he says his sensei's name is Sensei Ira, I don't know why I laugh every time. I don't know if that's, like, terrible and I'm stereotyping senseis, but just Sensei <laughs> Ira sounds funny to so me. So
1: apparently the actor who plays Sensei Ira is actually a martial arts expert who holds a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Oh. And, and some astute or observant viewers of this episode noticed that uh, a lot of the symbols and stuff on the wall are actually associated with taekwondo, not karate, which is what oh, Dwight okay. says they're practicing. Yeah. And yeah. apparently Rain Wilson actually has a yellow belt. I'm not sure which form of martial arts. Mm, okay. But the writers didn't know that about him when they were writing this episode. And so he mm. actually has some martial arts training and experience um, and at the time yeah. had a yellow belt, which is kind of funny. That they wrote that into
0: his character. Yeah, that that completely is. You know, and it's and it's funny if you think about how the whole how they ended up at the dojo in the first place. We talked about professionalism and wasting time. It basically comes out of Michael. Uh, I'm going to assume lying that he was in some sort of elite street fighting gang as he was growing <laughs> up in in Scranton called the the Damn Rascals. I can only imagine what sort of roughneck crew of you know young you know young teens that was, but. He basically ends up saying that he's, you know, so tough and he can beat up anybody. He's defeated multiple black belts in fights. (laughs) Because they told him they were black belts. Yeah, because he told them afterwards, afterwards, or after. They were on the ground. He said, what belt were you? But it ends up where he wants Jim to punch him in the stomach. Jim says he can't because he just got a manicure, which is another hilarious line because he says it just so deadpan. Um, And we end up seeing Dwight uh, punch Michael. So, you know, if you think about professionalism, if you think about the office environment and office environment and culture, you know, I don't think I've ever been in an office where like a boss come out and be like, you know what, just punch me in the stomach. Like, let's, let's see, I can take it. Like, that's never going to happen. Like they're just wasting so much time and energy during the day. It was interesting. I'd I'd love to do, do this
1: podcast with like a, we should get a psychologist or psychiatrist on board to talk about like some Mm -hmm. of the, the manipulation that Jim does of Dwight. Because yeah, it's really yeah. fascinating how he's able to manipulate Dwight and, and Michael as well. And just how he's able to kind of manipulate them to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, I want Dwight to punch Michael. And here's the perfect opportunity for that. And he is right. able to convince Michael and Dwight that it's
0: a good idea. But it's also... Well, it's. I was going to say, it's really, you know, what I said a few minutes ago. That, you know, the conspiracy theories and the mm-hmm. online theories out there. That Jim's really the villain of the whole series. That, you know, Dwight is seen as the the weird goofy one that causes all the problems but it's really jim and to your point what you just said bruce he manipulated this whole thing getting dwight to pipe getting dwight to punch michael you know the fight itself getting pam involved to stir the pot i mean it's all jim that's doing it. it's like an evil genius it is it is yeah so the, some of the other things that are
1: going on that we should probably touch on before we wrap up for the day is uh, kind of the Jim and Pam relationship, which has the flirting has escalated. You know, this mm-hmm. this kind of office romance uh, with an engaged woman. So this this flirting has escal- escalated and and at the dojo, it actually gets somewhat physical where they're kind of they're flirting a little bit. They're pretending to read each other's palms and, and Jim actually like grabs her and picks her up, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, in a friend relationship, if you're both single, you know, sure, that's fine. But they are right. coworkers at an office, for lack of a better term, event. You know, it's your mm-hmm. boss fighting one of your coworkers, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but it is an office-affiliated event. And it's interesting because they're both into it. Pam's laughing and having a good time. And what happens is Meredith turns around and sees it. And that's when Pam switches and suddenly realizes that this is an inappropriate action or behavior,
0: especially in front of your coworkers. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, it, and maybe it was maybe it wasn't so much the the physicality of it or the touching, but you know, if you go back and watch that scene specifically, you'll see that, you know, as he picks her up, like her shirt comes up too, and yeah. you know, there's a lot of skin that ends up showing. Like maybe if he just picked her up and that didn't happen, it would have been different, but you could see like she gets physically uncomfortable and like immediately pulls her shirt back down. So, you know, I would be very curious to see if that was scripted for her shirt to come up like that or if that just happened the way he picked her up because I think that's really- a key part of it is just, mm-hmm. you know, what happens with her clothing there, be it accident or not.
1: Sure. Well, he also wasn't letting go. So, right. like, he picked her up and then kind of held mm-hmm. on. So I think if he would kind of picked her up and set her down, um, it it still would have been inappropriate for an office environment. But, it, I mean, there there was some back and forth. And the way that she was laughing when he first picked her up, I I would say, still kind of implies that she was okay with it. Right. I think if he had set her back down, it would have been a non-issue. Again, still inappropriate for the office especially, but it's obvious that they both kind of have feelings for each other. So there's something going on there. Obviously, spoiler alert, Jim and Pam, everybody knows that now. So
0: Wait, what? What are you saying? Do they end up together? <laughs> what? I didn't say that. You just did. What? What? I can't. What? Man, I, I've only watched up through season two, episode six at this yeah. point.
1: Yeah, well, you know. Um, so so the other thing that's kind of going on, right at the end of the episode, Michael's starting to feel bad for having, quotes, air quotes, beat up Dwight. Um, realizes that maybe it wasn't the best decision. Let's go over how he decides to uh, apologize without apologizing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We see them in the conference room together at the end and totally maybe manipulating the situation again. Michael is sitting across the conference table from Dwight and says, I hope you know that I've been testing you all day, like a very Star wars you know, mind Jedi trick type of thing. You know, I've been testing you, my son. Uh, and, and Dwight completely plays into it and is like, oh, I know. I know you've been testing me. And, and we finally, finally, finally see that Dwight goes from assistant to to the regional manager, to assistant regional manager, and says that he will never let Michael down. And, you know, Michael, like a a wise old, you know, sensei says, I know, I know you won't.
1: But he also tells him not to tell anyone, and we're just going to keep it. Right. (laughs) And then at the end of the episode, Dwight's using Whiteout to hide Mm -hmm. the, to the, on his business card, which is great. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that we should touch on? I mean, there's, every episode is just so full of, of things we could touch on.
0: I, I know, I know, I know. We didn't, uh, I don't think we talked too much about the different, you know, prank calls that Michael was doing, which I, I thought were hilarious throughout the episode. You know, like you said earlier, you know, he was having Ryan do new um, emergency contact lists and he was able to get Ryan's cell phone number and leaves him upwards of, you know, 10 or so, you know, voicemails and he calls him a bunch of times. You know, in in a different voice every time, be it Michael Jackson or Mike Tyson or Saddam Hussein, whatever these voices that he was doing, that all basically sounded exactly the same. But just to, you know, quote unquote, prank Ryan, even though Ryan knew exactly who was calling him. It's true. It's true.
1: Uh, I also want to say that uh, one of my favorite lines ever is in this episode, and it's Michael Scott right at the end when he says, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy. Both. Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me,
0: <laughs> and I, I hate to say yeah.
1: I, I've come back to that line on many instances in in many mm-hmm. different scenarios, and I like to throw it out there because yeah. it's pretty funny. Yeah,
0: no, that is that is a very good one. Yeah, right. absolutely. I wrote that down in my notes too, so it's a great way to end. I we want, and that's what we want our listeners to feel like too—that they're just afraid of how much they love this podcast. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Right now I'm making the little heart thing on my camera right Aww. now with my hands. So Aww. this has been a good chat today. As always, we hope you learned something. We hope that you know listening to this podcast allows you to maybe think about your career development a little bit or maybe think about ways that you can improve upon your professionalism. So we're always excited to chat and we hope that you listen again next time and we will see you next time on Lessons from the Office.